On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Now, there's a lot going on in the news and perhaps that has slightly overshadowed some of the ongoing concerns around the cost of living. There have, of course, been some new measures which have taken effect inside the last couple of weeks, but really the forecasts for inflation this year remain pretty high and there's every concern that the cost of living burden is not going to get too much lower. So we've been speaking to the Minister for Social Protection, Heather Humphreys, about what she can do about all of that. She is also the Minister for Rural Development. So we called up her yesterday at a new development, uh, which you'll be able to hear some of in the backdrop of her microphone. We did our best to try and reduce uh, some of the the nat sounds as we call it but you'll be able to hear her over the microphone but rather than me explaining that I've asked her to explain exactly what it was that we were attending when I spoke to her yesterday I'm absolutely delighted to be here today in Bantir in uh, northwest Cork what I'm doing is opening a new facility it's a 1.3 million investment from my department through the rural Uh, development fund and uh, this is about enhancing the facilities they have here. They have a fabulous sport facility here. So what we have now developed is a a, a wonderful cafe, remote working hub uh, and also a stand uh, for the to to view the the sports Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's, it really is an excellent facility Uh, and there's car parking and there's loads of facilities here now for young people and their parents to come and I understand that they actually have 18 matches per week in this particular facility so that's an ex- excellent boost to have a wonderful childcare facility uh, it's used hugely by the the wider area here because they drop the children off and then they go on to work so it really is an example of what communities can do in rural Ireland. Um, that's the work of one of your departments. I think a lot of people with respect to that might still be more concerned about the work of your other departments. But all the projections are that inflation is only going to level off a little bit and that cost of living will continue to rise. Is there any scope that the government might go back to the drawing board in the next couple of months if things don't get any easier to try and increase the social welfare allowances or something else to help people through a tough time? Yeah, well, can I just say that I know January is always a tough month uh, for people financially and, and that's even more so this month with the cost of living and the challenges that they're facing. And it's quite likely we will be living in a you know a higher inflation uh, for another while than we, than we were used to. But uh, from my perspective as Minister for Social Protection, I introduced the largest increase in social welfare rates in a decade and they all uh, kicked in uh, the 12 euro increase from the 1st of January this year. There's going to be a major expansion of the fuel uh, allowance scheme bringing about 80,000 uh, more people into that scheme and uh, Minister O'Gorman has reduced childcare fees uh, and we introduced a 1 billion euro tax package and that will support hundreds of of thousands of workers uh, and uh, there's still two more 200 euro energy credits to come so what we're trying to do here is put more money back in people's pockets but to be fair to this government uh, and uh, it was the reaction during covid as well we keep all of these things under review but i think it's important that these measures that we've just announced kick in first because people will hear the headlines about a five billion euro exchequer surplus from last year and they will think well the government is not short of cash but i am so why is it going to take the government so long to reconsider putting some of that money back into my pocket well i think it's only just a few weeks since the these measures have kicked in as i say the the tax relief uh, will kick in shortly as well and the two more uh, 200 euro energy credits so this is putting money back in people's pocket and we will keep everything under review but there are no plans at the minute uh, to to do anything but as I said we keep it under review Okay so under review Um, Damien English was probably better remembered as being a junior minister at the Department of Housing I think he was also a minister of state at your Department of Social Protection as well for some of his functions Um, but it's emerged inside the last week that he 
applied for planning permission for a home in County Meath without disclosing that he already had one, which might have materially affected the output, and that he was also responsible for governing the affairs of vulture funds without ever disclosing in the Oireachtas that both of his mortgages had been taken over by them. He has paid the price by resigning as a Minister of State, but is it tenable to remain as a TD in those circumstances? Yeah, well, can I just say that Damien uh, is a very good friend of mine. He's been a great colleague. Uh, he, I've known him since I was elected to the Dáil in 2011, and uh, he was always very supportive, especially uh, to me when I came in uh, as a new TD. And, uh, I, you know, he has been an excellent minister and uh, parliamentarian. And I was very sad to see him resign. Uh, you know, I respect his decision and uh, I do believe that he will continue to contribute uh, to as a TD uh, for for Westmeath. And uh, he, he paid a big political price, as we know. He paid the ultimate price and, and that takes a toll on people at a human level. And I really do want to wish him and his family well. And uh, he he overlooked uh, the, the 14 years ago uh, an issue that he didn't complete correctly. He put his hands up when he when it was brought to his attention, and he resigned mm. his seat. But that, so he paid a bit. He paid a very but high it, price. But it did involve effectively misleading his own local authority, and it begs the question as to whether he can remain on as a representative for that county. Well, look. Um, that's an issue for uh, Meath County Council as to what they... I don't know if it's part of uh, the legislation of the planning process. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, if that needs to be pursued, well, that'll be a matter uh, for Meath County Council. What about the failure to disclose that some of his own mortgages have been taken over by vulture funds while he was also the minister responsible for that particular area? It seems that the failure to disclose that in the Oireachtas when he's taking part in debates seems like a pretty egregious possible breach of ethics law. Well... I think uh, the fact that he had two of his mortgages taken over uh, by a vulture fund means that he, he could have a, a, certainly an understanding with other people at the time. As we know, there were a lot of uh, mortgages, there were a lot of concerns uh, out there among the public regarding what would happen to their mortgages and and uh, and such things. And uh, like politicians live, we have to live normal lives as well, uh, to be fair. Now, I do know that there is a review of the ethics in public office uh, legislation at the minute and if it's found that we need to make changes there well we will make changes. And will that be done as a matter of urgency? Well that's currently under review and uh, we expect uh, that that will come to hand in in, in the coming months, I don't know the exact time. It does seem like a fairly major uh, failing of the law as it currently stands and this was highlighted by the Robert Troy controversy a few months ago that you're only ever required to disclose assets at the end of every calendar year And, and it does give rise and I stress that this is a hypothetical example that I'm giving but anyone who sits at the cabinet table and who is hypothetically privy to information that the rest of the public doesn't get to know for a little while yet, could potentially use that problem. Let's let's say, for example, a member of Cabinet knows that there's new state funding coming to renovate a derelict building and make it habitable again and bring it back into the housing market. And a member of Cabinet could buy a property, avail of that funding, and then sell the property. And as long as they don't own the property last New Year's Eve or next New Year's Eve, there's no requirement ever to disclose that. And that seems like a pretty major failing. Well, I think, to be fair, uh, uh, Deputy um, Dennis Nopton did suggest that there could be a facility where you could update uh, your register of interests on an ongoing basis rather than uh, on an annual basis, and maybe that's something we need to look at. Uh, to be fair, though, uh, usually when decisions are made at Cabinet, it's an announcement is made very shortly afterwards, so uh, they don't mm. usually... Well, we, we do our best to try and not, not keep them privy, but I mean, the principle does stand that you, you're, you have access to information the rest of us don't, and as it stands right now, the system... At, allows for the prospect of that being manipulated. Yeah, well, what I'm saying is I think that we should, we can look at it. As I said, it was suggested that we could have an, a, a situation where you can 
continually to ongoing, mm. ongoing uh, uh, reporting of your interests. So I think that that, can, okay. that, that could be looked at. Uh, briefly, just on one other issue, um, there was reporting in yesterday's um, Irish Times, uh, an, an elongated interview by Jennifer Bray with many female members of the Oireachtas who had concerns about um, some of the price they pay effectively for being women in public life, some of the abuse that they get online, some of it sexualised, some of it just simply far below the belt when it comes to acceptable discourse online. One suggestion that many of them made was that there shouldn't be any scope for anonymity when it comes to online comments, that if you're going to be allowed to send someone a tweet or a Facebook message, that you should be required to have your validated identity. Is there a case for that? Yeah, I believe there is. I think that uh, we shouldn't uh, have to accept comments from people who we don't know who they are. There's no, we, we, we don't, some of them don't even have names. Uh, they're, they're anonymous uh, 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 people and um, I think that uh, there should be a requirement if you're going to put uh, um, online uh, media uh, or put online comments uh, on in, in, the, in that uh, domain that um, they should be accountable for what they say because you have to be accountable for what you say uh, when you're speaking publicly as a, as a journalist and, and why should people be allowed to make comments and uh, we don't know who they are. Are you concerned that the scope of the sort of abuse which was highlighted by that but which a lot of women have known about in public life anyway that it would be a deterrent towards more younger women getting involved in public service? Well I hope that it won't deter women from getting involved because we need a balance in decision making uh, in all walks of life and uh, it's important that this doesn't stop them. It shouldn't be happening and we should try and stop it uh, and we should try and uh, deal with those perpetrators. There's not that many of them but they are very, it's very upsetting for people when the nasty comments and for some they've had to go to court over it and it's, uh, it's not acceptable and uh, I feel that uh, we, we just need to deal with it. As someone who's been in Leinster House for um, 12 years, would you have any advice for people who are considering getting involved in politics but might be turned away from the sort of discourse that they've seen? Well, I would encourage women to get involved in politics. I think it's important uh, that we come forward, that our voices are heard, and that we bring a different perspective sometimes to, 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 uh, to problems that are presented. And it's important that we have that balance uh, uh, both, uh, of both uh, men and women in terms of decision-making. I would encourage uh, people to come forward. And it's not easy sometimes. It's very difficult, like if you're a rural TD and you have a small family. There's no doubt about that. But I think we should recognise that, uh, you know, there are other times when you can contribute and, uh, and, and, and it, it's, it's not easy. But I'd like to see women getting involved and maybe if we can make it easier for them, uh, we should be trying to do that. And there's many different things we can look at. But I certainly want to see more women getting involved in politics. Heather Humphreys, the Minister for Social Protection and Rural Development, speaking to me yesterday. That interview recorded uh, for the record before uh, word emerged and was confirmed by a spokesperson for Pascal Donoghue about an ongoing complaint to Sibo about him uh, and his electoral filings for the 2016 election, which we were talking about in the first hour uh, of our newspaper review here on the record. Um, Heather Humphreys speaking yesterday, as I say. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.